0: Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.
1: What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. So how's it going with those student loan repayments? The pause of paying back your student loans is ending.
0: Loans will start accruing interest for the first time in three years.
1: Over the last three years, if you had a student loan, you didn't have to make any payments since the federal government put a pause on them during the pandemic. And that pause ended this month. My colleague Lisa Phillip asked people in Chicago what the change is doing to them.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of anxiety, which is, you know, I think to be expected in this circumstance. And then also confusion. So just, yeah, a lot of a lot of feelings.
1: Yeah, after a lot of us were told our student debt would be forgiven, I know I got feelings. Especially since all of this affects different demographics differently. Women hold nearly two-thirds of America's student loan debt. And Black women hold the most debt out of any other group. That's according to research from the Education Trust. Given that, and the fact that it's still not clear whether or not debt forgiveness is happening, how should borrowers be thinking about our debt? For ourselves, and some of us, for our loved ones who may decide to go to college in the future. Lisa is here to talk about what student debt is doing to our perception of higher education. how it's postponing certain milestones for a lot of young adults? And she explains what you need to know most as a borrower. But first, she tells us the story of two borrowers of color here in Chicago who did very different things during the three-year repayment pause starting with Andrew Palomo. This is her play area. Um, it's your your world. We just live in it. He and his partner adopted a baby girl. Yes? Yeah, he
0: lives in Polingbrook with his husband, and now his daughter, who's a little, the Mm. cutest little toddler with these beautiful dimples and tuft of curls. And Ah. what's really amazing about her addition to his family is it was made possible in part by the student loan payment pause. Um, Andrew and his husband had been wanting to start a family and have a kid, but they just didn't have the budget to do so because adopting a child is a really costly endeavor. Mm -hmm. So they were able to to adopt their now 16-month-old Teresa. The payment pause, it allowed him to do this, but now he still has that debt, right? And he has $186,000 student debt.
1: Yeah, and he, as you said, he had been in pain. It's not like... That debt has just been sitting there, and he hasn't been paying on it. He's been paying on it, and he still almost has two hundred thousand dollars. Yes, exactly. He's been making regular payments on it, and and trying to make some progress
0: toward it, but it's still there. Um, and I also have some tape of him talking about that. I think that's when I realized, that, like, oh man, like. I have to pay loans and I have to do this. And like, I just don't have enough. Like I was still working and then experiencing housing instability, right? Like, because I was living in my car. Yeah. You know, Andrew, he went to school thinking he'd be able to support himself afterwards. But the thing is, you know, being from a family of immigrants, he had to help them with their bills. He had these family obligations. He's trying to support himself. And he's doing that all on a salary that necessarily doesn't support all of those commitments plus these student loan payments.
1: Yeah, um, Within that subgroup of people of color borrowers, research also shows that black women are most negatively affected by student loan debt. Can you talk about why that is?
0: Yeah, these researchers from the education trust did this whole report on it and talked about how this particular group of borrowers is at this intersection of both experiencing racism and sexism. And that Mm -hmm. feeds into and compounds so many of the factors that go into, like, the amount of money you spend on college and then your ability to pay it off, right? So people of color don't have the same familial wealth that white families do to be able to afford the rising cost of college. And then also when these students who are then having to take on more debt to be able to attend college— When they leave it, they're not making as much money, right, as as white graduates are. And that is especially the case for black women because, again, there's both the wage gap and there's there's a racial wealth gap there, right? So if you look at earnings of black women versus white men 10 years after they graduate— both groups having bachelor's degrees there's a $30,000 difference it's like 60 something thousand for black women and 90,000 for white men so that just it further impacts their ability to pay off this debt and it i think it full you know very much feeds into this stat that we have that black women
1: owe more than any other group 10 years uh-huh. after graduation one black woman that you spoke to, her name is Brianna Kidd. Um, can you tell me about her story? She graduated in 2015.
0: She had $42,000 in debt. She immediately started working. And three years in, basically, she's like, how have these payments not made a dent? Like, what what's going on here, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, she realized, like, she's making these payments that are mostly, if not all, going towards her interest. And none of Mm. this is being applied to her principal. So she says she sat down with she had a little notebook and she wrote a 10 year plan of like, how do I do this? What do I have to be earning over the next 10 years to be able to do this? And she started working two jobs. She was living with her dad, which is a lot, right? Like this is a person who went to college You would hope that she would not have to work two jobs and not have to live with her parents Mm -hmm. to be able to make a living and really be living the life of an adult, right? But um, the thing is, she had a much different approach to the pandemic pause. When it came into play, she was like, oh, the interest is being paused if I put as much money as I can towards my principal— I can just knock these loans out and they won't be hanging over my head anymore. So she started saving up. She was still working two jobs, still living at home. And she started knocking out one loan after the other. And she brought her debt down from 37000 to 10000 Wow! And I thought what was really interesting about her is that she was so aware of just the burden that student debt has, particularly on black women like herself. Mm-hmm. And and. I thought her response to this was really interesting. So let's listen to a bit of her talking about it. When it comes to this aspect of my life with these student loans, I refuse to be the statistic.
1: I want to be the outlier, and I will be that. Give me two more years, I'll be done with this. Wow, that is... I mean, it's just so ambitious, you know, to think about it that way. You know, I think I think she is an outlier. You know, most people did really take advantage of that pause, not in the way that she did. But, you know, just were like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to take a break, you know, for making these payments and do something else with my life. Um, Do you know if I mean, this this was also a time when President Joe Biden was really trying to push to get student loan debt canceled, right, to get it forgiven. And I wonder if you asked her if she accounted for that at all. I mean, she made all these big life changes as a grown person to move back in with your dad, to start taking on two jobs. It's a lot um, when your loans could be forgiven after all of that. Do you know if she was thinking about that?
0: Yeah, yeah. She absolutely thought about it. And I think Her response was like, you can't wait for this to be given to you because I I think it came from a place of distrust. Mm. You know, these promises can be made, but they might not actually happen. And I would rather just do what I can to be free of this than to wait for something to happen that might not um, which I think is really telling because, you know, with the cancellation program, it was promised and then it was taken away. Right. And and, you know, we've seen this in play with other things like the income driven repayment plans. You know, people on those for 20 years were supposed to receive cancellation and a lot of them didn't. So I, I totally get her distrust. And I, it's something I've heard from other people, too.
1: Is all of this changing the way young people, high schoolers, for instance, see and value higher education?
0: It's definitely leading people to question the value of higher education. Like, you know, Andrew, for example, told me that when he was going to school in like the 90s and early 2000s, he got this message constantly that student debt is good debt. And I mm. don't. Yeah. And, and he's what. He's not the only person who's told me this. It's like, you have to take out this debt, but you'll be able to repay it because you're going to make so much more money and your wages. Oh, okay. And, you know, now we've seen that's a return necess- on investment. Exactly. Now we've seen that isn't necessarily the case. Right. So I I know I, I think part of why you're so shocked by it is right. Like now we know.
1: Is that a thing? (laughs)
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's not something I hear high schoolers being told by adults in their lives like this is good debt. I mean, I think there is the research shows there is a lot of value in a college degree and Mm -hmm. people with bachelor's degrees do earn more money. The thing is, when you factor in whether or not their wages can cover the debt that they took on to actually get that bachelor's degree, that's a totally different story. And like I see re- researchers doing more to take that into account. Like there's, you know, people talk about the college wage premium where you talk about the advantage in wages that you get um, by going to college. But I've heard researchers more recently talk about the college wealth premium where you are taking into account not just someone's wages, but their family wealth and also their mm-hmm. debt. And that's a lot more okay. complicated of a picture. Um, in yeah. terms of whether in the way that our system is set up right now is an actual mm-hmm. advantage. Right. And like, I don't want the message to at all be that college is not worth it. And I think when I talk to people in the higher ed space about this, they're like, we don't want people walking away from this conversation saying that the answer is that people don't go to college. Mm -hmm. More attention needs to be turned to the affordability problem of college and the fact that more and more people are taking more and more debt out to be able to afford going. Mm
1: -hmm. When it comes to the debt itself, Biden did, as we talked about, have this large-scale debt forgiveness. That didn't happen as he initially proposed it. But there are some other initiatives on the federal level going on How is the education department currently approaching debt relief?
0: Yeah, since the mass cancellation was struck down by the Supreme Court, they've introduced a new income-driven repayment plan that is even more generous in terms of how much it reduces a borrower's monthly payments. And then also how much sooner a borrower can get cancellation. So... That's something, right? Mm -hmm. It's a lot more piecemeal, I would say, their approach, because I think, you know, there's some awareness that like mass cancellation isn't necessarily something that's going to fly. They are pursuing cancellation in other ways through... This whole process of negotiated rulemaking under the Higher Education Act. I won't bore you with all the <laughs> all the terms there. But basically, like, it's so funny because people have been asking me about this. They're like, oh, is canceled, Is it back on the table? And I'm like, well, basically, Biden put together a committee to talk about ways to introduce relief to folks. But, you know, we don't know what that will look like until at the earliest, I think, next year. So we'll see what happens there.
1: For folks who are concerned about their ability to start these payments back up or people who think they might miss payments, what would you say are the most important things they need to know? Like if they if they miss a payment, how does that affect their eligibility for relief?
0: Yeah. So the Biden started up this they're calling it like an on ramp um, in that if you miss payments or make partial payments over the next 12 months, you will not fall into default, and you huh. won't be reported to credit bureaus. So there's that sort of transition period. Okay. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that if you are worried about your ability to make payments, if you haven't applied for an income-driven repayment pl- program, I would definitely do so because – you know, in some cases if your income is too small to be covering these payments, you could get them reduced to zero dollar payments. Mm. And those And it wouldn't count as a missed payment. Exactly. It wouldn't count okay. as a missed payment and it would be tracked in your progress towards getting cancellation.
1: So mm. yeah, keep that in mind. Okay. So I wanna get back to Brianna and Andrew. Um it's really interesting this this conversation around hitting those adult milestones. From my perspective, it seems like Brianna put those aside, right? She said, "I'm not going to live on my own. I'm going to take on two jobs. I'm going to put some of these these things that may be considered more advanced as far as adulthood aside so that I can prioritize saving and paying off my debt. Versus Andrew was like, I'm going to put the debt aside <laughs> and I'm going to start a family, right? I'm going to pay yeah. on my mortgage, you know, I'm going to do these adult things. Um and and we'll we'll worry about the debt when we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And with these two kind of disparate approaches to student loan debt, I wonder if that has you thinking about whether there is a right or best way to approach this. Yeah,
0: gosh, that is such a good question. And it is definitely something I've thought about, especially, you know, as I talked to Brianna, I was just like, this is so different from everyone I've talked to in terms of just like how they're thinking about their debt. And it. You know, I, it definitely occurred to me as I was talking to her, well, like, why not be on an income driven repayment plan and count on cancellation after 20 years, right? And I think I don't have a good answer for which way is best. I think it probably depends on how you're thinking about your debt. If it's like really hovering right over your head all the time, like, you might be the person who's like, Brianna is like, I need to get rid of this as soon as possible, right? But if you're the person who is really valuing starting a family, living on their own as an adult, um, you know, there's something to be said for being on one of these plans and knowing that at some point you, well, (laughs) you hopefully will get cancellation. Right. And like maybe in the long run, you won't be paying all that much more in interest because you took longer to pay off your debt. But. I think it just depends so much on who you are and what you value, and then to sort of look at it from Brianna's perspective, I just I so understand that distrust that she feels of mm-hmm. the system. That you know, I think we can all agree it's broken. So I, I just fully understand why she took this approach and was like, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to have to worry about this in two years, and I'm she's you know I can finally begin adulting.
1: Yeah, yeah, she did say that, and I think I guess I do want to just bring this forth. Um, you know, there there's so many different ways you can think about adulting, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, living with family is a thing that a lot of adults do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great um, point. Yeah, yeah, and, and so yeah, I think you're right about the values where it's just like, you know, what what's important to you, you know, and what can you swing. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that, gosh, that's such a, a good about adulting I mean you know you could argue that what Brianna did was like hardcore adulting right like
1: more adult than what I'm doing for sure (laughs) yes exactly in a lot of ways yeah yeah Lisa Phillip is WBEZ's higher education reporter Lisa thank you thanks for having me Erin You can find more info about student debt repayment at WBEZ.org and also at studentaid.gov. And Lisa and the WBEZ engagement team is hosting an event on the emotional burden of debt and how to cope with the weight of it all. It's called You're Not a Loan. Getting real about student debt. And it's free. The event is at Harold Washington College downtown on November 15th. Reserve your seat at wbez.org slash events. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR network. If you love the show, rate us, review us. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Aaron Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.